breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty. Mornings on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. Caddo Commissioner Stephen Jackson is joining us this morning. First, the storm, real quickly on the storm. Um, what is happening today with regard to getting out and helping people? What what do people need today? What can you guys help them? Help, what are you guys helping with? Right. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks for uh, asking about that. I've actually uh, been without power as well. And uh, uh, one of the things that we have been doing is uh, trying to get uh, those uh, places where trees are on private property, uh, trying to go ahead and get those uh, trees removed so that Swepco can go ahead and restore power. So y'all are um, going on private property now? Uh, well, when you're in a state of emergency, we can pay. The parish will not be going on private property, okay. but we can pay contractors uh, to go on private property. And it's in state law that allows us. To how do you? How do I get my, my tree removed from my house? What do I, who do I call? I, Swepco is Swepco is directing people to a, uh, I believe, Providence House that stepped up to be sort of the facilitator of this process. Okay. And so Swepco is actually directing people who have this problem. Aaron, you're still without power. I'm good. No, I'm good. I'm, oh, no, no. <laughs> you can come hang out. I got a couple of extra bedrooms if you're, you know, if you're burning up in the afternoon. Yeah, and I'm also looking and talk, having a conversation about can we do like a loan a generator where citizens maybe can loan each other a generator. I don't know how that could go, but I got to believe that there are some folks out there who don't need their generator anymore. Maybe they can go help a neighbor okay. or help somebody on the other side of town hook up a generator safely because uh, we want people to be safe in hooking up these generators and, um, you know, uh, get, let someone use it for a day or two until we can get to Saturday or Sunday when okay. the power can be restored. All right. The, the the other story of the day, you know, we've been talking about the storm now for a full week, you know, with all kinds of folks. Uh, you appeared in a Bossier courtroom yesterday and entered a guilty plea to what charge? Well, I I, uh, I uh, did a plea agreement, plea arrangement, plea bargain. Uh, it's called plea bargain for a reason. Uh and I can't remember the name of the charge, uh, but it was not, I can tell you, it was not false impersonation of an officer. Uh, it wasn't that. So okay, uh, we did that process. We but you say process. you're not guilty. So why plead? Uh, for me, Aaron, uh, I'm about moving on. Uh, I tell people, and I explained this to someone yesterday who got it, uh, I vote every, every two weeks I vote on things. And sometimes, you know, I don't always agree with what's on the agenda, but to keep the peace and move things along, I vote in favor of it. I'll give you an example. Uh, just Monday, I, I don't necessarily uh, agree with the speed uh, monitoring out in the pair. I don't fundamentally agree with it, but, you know, uh, some people have convinced me to support it, and I'm going to hold my nose and I'm going to support it. Okay, you are not in the SUV. You did not impersonate a police officer. Somebody you know was. Who is it? That's the criminal that's out there. Well, Aaron, I'll I'll just leave it at this. My statement, I put out a statement. My statement speaks for itself. My statement is truthful. Nothing in my statement does not. Nothing in my statement is not truthful. And I'll just say that. Uh, I'm not a white male. Um, I do own a car dealership. That's a public record. You can go on the Used Motor Vehicle Commission website and see that I'm a car dealer. You were Um, picked out of a lineup. Um, was something wrong with that? 
but I'm not a white male. Okay, and so but could I, that have been a clerical error on part of the police officer? If the victim picked you out of a lineup, that seems a bit, and your cell phone pinged in that same area at the same time. Those are things well, that I'm like, ah, that doesn't smell right. Well, let me just say this: cell phones don't drive cars. <laughs> a cell phone can't be a white male, and uh, there's nothing that has been produced that puts me in a vehicle. I mean, I, it did, none of this, all of what you just said, Aaron, you still don't put me in a vehicle at the place where they say this happened. Did you? Mm, okay. I, I don't know. <laughs> if, if someone picked you out of a physical uh, wait, lineup, that seems your, I, pretty I, definitive. No, but but what you just said was, I don't know. And that's the issue. Uh, when I tried to give this information over, uh I couldn't get and sit down with the police officer, and I believe I put that out uh, in January when I put my statement out. And so, um, again, my statement is out. My statement speaks for itself. I'm not a white male. I own a dealership. I accepted responsibility as the owner of the dealership, and I accepted Bozier's plea deal. But you, you're, you're saying that the Bozier DA is still calling you a liar, and you take issue with that, right? I mean, I'm not a liar. My statement, there's nothing in my statement that is not factual. And so I'm not a liar. Who was uh, driving your vehicle? Who who had, who was behind the wheel of your vehicle and allegedly well, impersonated a police officer? You well, obviously yeah, know the person. Well, I don't know. I don't know people who come test drive vehicles. Okay. Okay. So I, I'm going to leave that issue in the past. I'm moving on from that issue. I accept it. Bozier City, Bozier Paris, plea deal. And... Uh, I'm at peace with it. Are you uh, running for state I, representative? Have you decided yet? Well, I'm more focused on things, uh, particularly about making sure the citizens who I represent, I still have citizens and constituents who are without power uh, in Shreveport, uh, Caddo Parish, particularly in District 3. I still have some folks in Cherokee Park, North Highlands, and Stony Hill who don't have power. And that's where my focus is right now, is making sure that they don't get forgotten about. A lot of times when... Um, the majority of the city gets back to operational. Uh, we tend to forget about those folks here in the middle of the city uh, mm-hmm. that tend to get forgotten about. And that's where my thoughts are right now. So I'm going to be focused solely on making sure we can help them. And then also trying to make sure that we can help folks replace things like all of the food that, that, that a lot of folks lost. Food costs has been soaring. And so folks are spending money. Uh, a lot of folks said they made groceries because it was an extended holiday or because it was summer and the kids are out and they made groceries. And all that was lost. That's what my priority is. It's not on this back and forth. It's not on the politics right now. It's and you, about and you, just, you decided to plea essentially so you're not in the middle of a trial and expenses and all the time that would be involved. Is that kind of what you're, you put out a statement? That's kind of what it said. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, at some point, I, I think it, it comes out of Donald Trump's book. The art of the deal is you pay the hundred dollars and move on. Um, I, I have a friend who says you can be dead wrong and you can be dead right. And so, Stephen uh, Jackson is like Donald Trump today. Is that what you're I'm saying? You can either be dead wrong or you can be dead right. And so, uh, you know, I, that was a point in my life where I just believe you go down fighting, and, and at a certain point, you got to look at the you got to look at the scenario in front of you and say, do I go here or do I go there and move on? I mean, it, uh-huh. there's no point in in fighting. Uh, I don't understand why some folks are not happy. I just don't get that. Well, Stephen, uh, it wasn't I, I, my deal. I get you. <laughs> I get it. 
I, I can't, you know, I texted you last night. Um, I did not anticipate you would do this. I'm impressed you have agreed to and you have done it. And I can't thank you enough. Well, no, I, I appreciate the opportunity to always uh, kind of come on. I was just, again, I'll say my, my statement speaks for itself and there's nothing inaccurate or false in my statement. Caddo Commissioner Stephen Jackson, thanks so much. I hope you get power back soon. You didn't put a rock in the middle of it, did you? Banana peel in the middle. Oh, yeah. That'll hurt. <laughs> 1017 <laughs> FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty. I had a, I had a dream last night. Uh-oh. Aaron, I would say, where does this stuff come from? But earlier this week, well, first of all, let me tell you, I was riding a giraffe. <laughs> You're the giraffe guy. I was riding a giraffe. And now apparently it was like me and this giraffe were close. Okay. Oh, okay. And at one point we were backing up. This is so bizarre. And and I and he, and he guides off of a like a a, a slope, not a cliff, like mm-hmm. yeah. But but he tumbles. Oh no! Now a giraffe is pretty spindly. Oh you know? yeah. And I'm thinking, oh crap! Oh. You know. And and I and I and I run down the slope, and he's in a pile down there, and and it, and it's okay. You yeah. know, and he's laying there and it takes its big old neck and head and comes wraps around me and I'm laying next to it and it's laying next right. It gives you a hug. It gives me like this hug. <laughs> this giraffe hug. <laughs> I've never, I, well, I have seen a giraffe in real life, but not, you know. The giraffe that's been riding around town. You yeah. have obviously seen it. Now, somebody also posted a picture that's obviously been photoshopped that is an uh, uh, a whole giraffe standing in the middle of like southfield or something yeah that's yeah that's, <laughs> i mean obviously photoshopped but wait did we really have a giraffe riding around in a pickup truck in shreveport is it true reuben or is it baloney yes sort uh, of you you can you can find the story up on the website and uh keelnews.com yeah and uh so this guy apparently he he was moving his um taxidermied giraffe head from one place to another. <laughs> Wait, this used to be a real live giraffe. I, I'm not 100% sure if, it looks, yeah, if, it looks. Th- if this is the guy that shot the giraffe or if he just bought a taxidermied giraffe head. I don't oh, know. God. But yes, at one point I believe it was but a I mean, It was not a stuffed animal. Uh, like, well, a, I mean, like a teddy bear. No, no. It was a. It used to be a real living, breathing giraffe. I think. I think once upon a time it was. Yes. Who would shoot a giraffe? I don't. Know. I mean. Now, now wait on. a minute. Does a giraffe have that little squatty body that we've been seeing all around? <laughs> no, no. It was just the head and neck. It was okay, just so like the neck. Uh, okay, up, up over the cab of the truck. <laughs> so you're going to hang this over your your mantle? I know. What with the giraffe doing? sticking out. What do you do with that? I think it. I, I don't. I, if if you were to ask me, my design, whatever, I w- I would put it behind a bar, kind of peeking up from behind the bar. Okay. 
I would see it at your house with a lampshade on it, Maybe. something like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, with cigarette hanging out of. Yeah, you'd have and... the you'd have the head sticking out of the top <laughs> of the shade, and the shade would be right below his head. Yeah. Yeah, make a lamp out of it. So b- between that, which I saw last week and all over oh. Facebook, you know, there's giraffe stuff now. And then my wife getting back from South Africa. Yeah, we have to talk about that. Yeah. I guess I had giraffes in my brain. It was <laughs> no kidding. So bizarre. That is bizarre. Uh, Michael Corbin coming up uh, after uh, about 640, going to give us an update. It's uh, better and better news each day. One oh one seven. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty. There are people, Aaron, that have been following this Titanic submarine mm-hmm. story from from the jump. Oh, they've been watching it constant. And, and of course, we we've just heard the report mm-hmm. that they the the Navy heard what sounded like an implosion mm-hmm. not long after the, it began submerging. Yeah, on Sunday. Yeah. So, uh, all the passengers are presumed dead. Yes, which is which is sad. Mm-hmm. But the good to me, and I, I just when my brain works, my not, my thought was, well, you know what? Thank goodness that they weren't down there for days, knowing their oxygen was depleting, and they're stuck, and right? they're and they're about to, you know, yes. die. If 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 it imploded. From the pressure, obviously there was some kind of leak or something. Um, then that was an immediate. Oh, a quick, fast death. Yes. That that you know, if you're if you're doomed, you would much rather that happen than go four or five days knowing you're about to die. Right. Um, that, that no question. I mean, I think everyone would say I would rather that. And and, and it could be they didn't even know it was going to happen. Right, they, they did, the, the way it happened. They did excited about this adventure, mm-hmm. and then and this, then it just. This may be crude, but the the best description I've heard is is if if that's what happened and it imploded, it's like when you clap a fly. Yeah. Okay, right, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. It, it was just that that quick. So, uh, and and you know, I was watching the news conference with the Coast Guard and the Navy people, and. You know, I guess we have to ask those questions, but they ask, um, what about the recovery of the bodies? And I'm thinking, that's just there's, not going to happen. There's, there's pro- I, mean, I don't mean to be gruesome, there's I know. probably nothing to recover. That's the thing. And, and I, you know, I mean. I mean, they were buried at sea. They were buried at sea. Just like the 1300 Titanic. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's. Yeah. It's a tragic story, and you know we it, it it appeared to be doomed. You know, after a couple of days, we thought uh, this is not going to end well. Definitely, so it is sad, very sad story. Uh, we do have some better news coming out of Swepco. Michael Corbin going to join us just after the break. Mike and McCarty. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. Michael Corbin, Michael, 
I've been calling you VP at SWEPCO. Tell me what your official title is. Somebody said I promoted you. <laughs> uh, well, possibly, but I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, my, my official title is External Affairs Manager. Okay. External Affairs Manager. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to adjust your paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was afraid of that. Sorry about That's why that. I never said anything. Yeah. <laughs> How much headway have y'all made since we chatted yesterday? We have made a lot of progress. Um, I think yesterday we were talking about um, tw- some 20,000 outages in the Shreveport area, shreveport Bossier area. Uh, today we're down to uh, just a little over 13,000, and that number might be a little bit high uh, still. So uh, good assistance, much or, or good progress, rather. Um, much like we discussed earlier in the week, when we get down to these last this last day or two, it's going to be a little bit slower uh, just because we're doing a lot of scattered outages instead of bringing, home, bringing on entire neighborhoods at one time. Well, now, uh, on Wednesday, well, when this first happened, uh, of course, power went out Friday. That's when it hit Thursday. Yeah, we're a weekend now. Uh, early yep. Friday morning, about one thirty in the morning. Mine came back on that Sunday afternoon. And then I had had power pretty much the whole time until Wednesday. And then Wednesday afternoon or Wednesday evening, mine went out and was out all night and most of the day on Thursday. Was what was I know they're taking some things back offline to move. You said they're shifting power. So if people lose power again, explain what's happening there. We've had a couple of things that would contribute to that. And first is we may have uh, done some internal switching so that power is routed to your house a different way from a different substation, for example. And um, we need to switch that back, and that process sometimes goes very smooth. Sometimes there there can be issues with it. Uh, the other thing that we've seen is because there was so much tree damage, um, we had trees that dropped limbs on lines, and um, we've come through rebuilt lines, and additional limbs have fallen in the past week and damaged lines again, where a limb, a limb may have been partially uh, detached from the tree during that wind event, and then over the you know for a few days it dries out, and 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 so trees continue to cause a problem for us, uh, but. Yeah, we, we think we're making good progress. Let me ask you, you, you mentioned it briefly yesterday, but I'm intrigued by this this IV program you have going for the workers. You've actually got a company out there giving the, the workers IV solutions to keep them hydrated. Explain what's going on. Well, I, I just can't say enough about what the Arklatex has done, and, um, and that's a piece of it. We have had restaurants, we've had churches, we've had community groups, uh, come out to base camps and offer all type of services, bringing food, water, ice, Gatorade. Uh, I do understand there's an, there's an IV service out there that's, that's offering, uh, rehydration services when the workers come in from their 16 hour day. So I, I can't say enough for how much the entire community has pulled together, not only to help our workers out there, but also to to go into some of these hard hit areas and make sure that that folks have ice and water and and food. What do you say, Michael Corbin, to the person who has now been without power for a week? They're, they 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 either had to go stay somewhere else 
or they have a generator they're trying to struggle to use, or they're in the heat. I completely understand uh, frustration, and and I think that we all do. Um, I can't say enough. This was just a devastating storm uh, for anything above above the ground. Uh, you know, whether it's trees or it's uh, utility poles or it's uh, power lines. Um, we have not seen a storm like this in recent memory, and um, I think that it's a reminder to us all of being prepared and how fragile the electrical system can be at times. But the other thing is I hope that as a community we are able to look back at this in a couple of weeks and, and be able to make some plans for when the next one comes. How can how can we protect people better and, and help people plan a little bit better? Let's look down the road then. Let me do that real quick before we let you go. Should we start moving in the direction of if we build new subdivisions or if we do anything new, our power line should be underground? Well, most new most new construction has uh, underground lines, and so that's a, that's a good thing. Um, we are continually upgrading our equipment. Um, there's a there's a number of projects we talked about transmission lines and how that was very impactful. All the transmission lines that we lost, mm-hmm. most of those were wooden poles, and we have a number of projects either that were underway or are set to uh, begin in the next. Uh, 12 to 24 months that will replace wooden poles with with steel poles and offer a lot more resiliency. So I would say the bulk of the the transmission lines to people's homes in in the market are overhead lines. Is that correct? Yeah, transmission is always overhead. That's what goes from the power plants to the substation. Okay. And then distribution, which is what you see in neighborhoods. Distribution, uh, those okay. Those are those are generally overhead uh, at, to some point, and then they may go underground when you actually get into the subdivision. So is it feasible, in, because obviously things like this can happen, to begin trying to move all the uh, distribution lines underground? There's pros and cons. First, it's extremely expensive uh, a, a, mile of overhead wire versus a mile of underhead wire with the different equipment, the boring and and uh, switches you have to put in. It's extremely expensive to underground line. Um, the second thing is in if there is a fault in the line, uh, if it's overhead, you look. There's a limb in the line. There's a there's a line that's, that's come off a pole and is either hanging or is laying on the ground. It's, it's easy to identify it. When it's underground, it takes a lot more time and it's a lot more effort to get that repair done. Streetlight. So, Sorry. Um, so there's sneezing. pros and cons. Yeah, we got all the streetlight so, issues so, on the interstate. So there those is, underground lines are the problem. Uh, that's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. So there is a, a, a cost-to-benefit ratio that's, mm-hmm. that, that's not worth taking the, the distribution lines and putting them underground. Yeah, and and I think that technology is really helping us a lot. We have switches that are able to work, uh, you know, on a day-to-day basis. If if a tree falls on a line, not a storm like this, but a tree falls on a line, we have switches that are able to instantly recognize that fault, feed power from different directions, and instead of a hundred people or a thousand people being out, 
Now we are only we can isolate it, and only ten people are out. Yeah. Um, there's some new electric meter technology out there that we hope to have installed very soon. Uh, that will be able to let us pinpoint every house that's out immediately and every house that comes back in. Uh, so it, it cuts a lot of the manual process out, and we're we're excited about that, and we think that that's gonna that's gonna help in future storms. Michael Corbin with Swepco, thanks for your time. Thanks. Y'all have mm-hmm. a good weekend. Right. That's for everybody to be patient. Yes. Thank you, Michael. 101.7 FM. 101.7 FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty. I was thinking I was, about your wife. Let, let me let me share a thought real okay. quick. I, 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 I was telling you during the break, this is, when I say this, mm-hmm. this is not a criticism of Swepco mm-hmm. at all. I remember sitting on my porch way, this is way, way before any of this happened. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is, we like to sit down on the porch in the sure. evenings and I'm, and I'm sitting on the porch, Aaron, and I'm, and I'm just looking and I'm looking at the poles and it's funny on our street, all the poles are leaning at, at, a, at least a little bit. Oh boy, a little, you know, mm-hmm. all in the same direction at the same angle, just about. It's like somebody just kind of yanked on the thing right. at one point. And and I'm and I'm looking at the wires, and there's so many cables. It, yeah. It's just a power. It's not just a power line. I mean, right. there, there's there's different things that run along them. And and I in and at the end of my driveway is another big pole, and then there's. A line coming to my house, more than one. Mm-hmm. And I just remember thinking, look at where we are technologically in 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 this era. Yes, you can put a man on the moon. Yeah, okay. We're but, wireless but, for everything. Yeah, I mean, I can I can right now pick up this this computer and talk to your daughter in johannesburg facetime i can look at her and watch and 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 say hey you know Mm -hmm. and talk i mean the jetsons we can heat up food in 30 seconds Mm -hmm. i mean it's just the technology of where we are today and i was sitting here thinking this looks like the 30s yeah. You know what I mean? Right. All these big lines, the power lines. We've been doing it this way for decades, we, yeah. We're still at this point? I don't know what the alternative now, is. Not, that's not a criticism mm-hmm. of Swepco, and I'm not saying I have a better answer. Right. It was just interesting to me. The advancements we've made in so many other areas. You're in right. In so many yeah. other areas, but getting power to our homes, mm-hmm. and, and other and that's still where we are. It was just interesting. To there me. are some that would say solar power. You could you can see that all over, like California. You'll yeah, see you'll yeah. see those solar panels all on everything, and um, some people are going that route. Solar and wind here. have not proven themselves to be a viable um, replacement. Right, it's not. Mm-hmm. I know, but the power poles. We've been dealing with it for for a right. long, long time. It was just interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I just I'm. It makes me think. What is next? Yeah. You know, what, what, what is next? Mm-hmm. Mayor Tom Arsenault going to join us coming up after the local news, giving us an update with Mike and McCarty. 
1017 FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline, Shreveport Mayor Tom Arsenault. Tom, look, I've got a big pile of limbs and branches and debris in front of my yard. When is that going to be picked up? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, most people do. I know, uh, I know. I just. It, Mayor, we're, likely to... we're hitting Go a ahead. week. Today is uh, one week ago. When this mess blew through, we've still got about 13,000 in the Shreveport-Bossier area that are without power. They may need all kinds of help. They may be frustrated. What is available to those people today? Well, we we still have cooling centers that are open for people to get out uh, to get out of the heat. Uh, I do not know whether Morningstar is still going to be open tonight. I think they had only 17 people uh, at the shelter last night. So at some point, uh, they will decide to um, we will decide to close. The Homeland Security will decide to close that shelter, but I don't think that decision has been made yet. The rest of the the rest of this, I think, is going to be. Uh, clearing trees, uh, and our crews will be out clearing trees. Now, in terms of the pickup, uh, to, to address Mike's pile of limbs <laughs> in front of his house. You know, I'm kidding. Uh, no, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you might not be. I mean, I have a pile of limbs in front of Well, my I, I mean, I do have a pile, but I'm not concerned about it. Yeah. There are more, there is... more important issues that we're dealing with. I understand well, that. Those limbs, those limbs are going to be there for uh, for a while. We are issuing today a request for proposals for third party contractors who have the equipment to come pick that up and deliver it to a site. We've also made an application yesterday for a city owned uh, site where that can all be staged. Uh, that I anticipate those RFPs are due next Thursday. So, you know, we'll have to get the requests. We'll have to review those, which we will do very quickly, and uh, enter into a contract with one or more contractors who will come in and pick up the the, the limbs and that kind of thing. I think it's going to be, uh, I think you could expect it to be four or five weeks. So there, the, the, the limbs and that kind of vegetative debris are going to be there a little while, so because it's really beyond the capability of our internal equipment and crews to pick it all up. How big yep. can I? How big yep. can I put stuff out by the curb? I mean, can it be half a tree? Oh, I've seen trunks. I, I yeah. believe they're going to be able to pick up. They're going to be able to pick up anything that you put out there. That's that's why we're having to ha- require them to have significant equipment. This is not something that that. Uh, ordinary contractors are going to be able to do. There are people who travel the country doing this kind of work. Okay. Now, if I were an enterprising young man, I would go, hey, there's a firewood business here. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To get a trailer and go collect <laughs> a lot of that, you know, the solid, there's a lot of good wood pieces that are on, the, that I've seen uh, on the are. streets. Uh, there are, and uh, there may be people who are uh, doing their own kind of salvage uh, in that. Absolutely. Uh, I, I expect that there. I expect that there will be, but they won't pick it all up. And there's some of it just too doggone big for them to pick up. So these are going to be from people with with cranes and bucket trucks and you know those kinds of things that will be able to uh, to pick it up. 
it, our current plan is we have a site that has about uh, a number of acres of concrete where they can stage this, and then they'll have equipment to break it up further uh, and before it's placed in the landfill or some other appropriate place uh, that, that the EPA approves. You, you cannot just place that anywhere. So we are making progress on that. I, I would hope that sometime uh, perhaps by the end of July, that, uh, that the vast majority of this would be cleaned up and we simply have to ask the people of Shreveport for, uh, for their patience. This is a uh, massive set of damage and massive amount of vegetation uh, debris, uh, really more akin to what you see after a, after a hurricane. Mayor, last time that, uh, that I spoke with you, you still didn't have power at your home. Has that been restored? That has been restored, yes. And th- thankfully, <laughs> absolutely, thankfully, I allowed my I allowed my grandchildren to come visit with me, so I'm thrilled. <laughs> Mayor Arsenault, there's another big question too that a lot of people that lost power lost a refrigerator full of food. Uh, the Caddo Commission is doing something to try to help with that. I know the Red Cross is helping with that. Food banks will help. What is available for folks if they are going to need some help with food replacement? Uh, if some of that may happen with individual aid. Should we reach the FEMA uh, individual uh, assistance of standards? And that's in the process of being uh, estimated now. Uh, after some of the initial tours, it, it appeared that we would not necessarily get public public dollars, but there may be some individual aid. People who are on SNAP uh, on the on SNAP program should have by now gotten a reload for uh, for food uh, that that the state initiated through the federal uh, through the federal government so they should have some relief uh, some relief there the rest of it uh, pretty much is going to be up to to people to finance themselves Mm. Mayor, uh, talking with Mayor Tom Arsenault of Shreveport. Mayor, last time we talked, you were asking people to report because we know trees are still falling. Their, their limbs are still falling. There's there's still damage being uh, that that's occurring, and you were asking people to report that. So uh, because we have to reach a certain threshold, are people still reporting? And if not, how do they do so if they have damage? Uh, if they have damage, the, they report to uh, damage.la.gov, and then the uh, they also can call it in to the Office of Homeland Security, which is six seven five two two five five six seven five two two five five. I'm going from memory. I'm pretty sure I'm right. You're absolutely right. I wrote that down. That's exactly right. Last time we spoke, and I don't know if you have this new number now, you told us there were 855 homes or structures damaged. Uh, Has that number gone up since we urged people to start reporting? My guess is it has gone up, but I have not received a supplemental report on that. Okay. And you guys will be having another meeting today at some point, I guess, to kind of assess how we're going into the weekend? No, uh, we are, we are kind of meeting, uh, meeting by email. Uh, okay. uh, Robert Jump, the Homeland Security Director is keeping us surprised of, of things, but basically all of us are kind of in a recovery 
uh, mode now, so there wasn't need for to gather thirty people right. uh, to to do that. So um, we're we're not currently having meetings. Shreveport Mayor Tom Arsenault, thank you so much for talking with us this morning, and hope you have a great weekend. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Coming up, uh, the American Red Cross Executive Director of Northwest Louisiana, Karen McCoy, going to join us at seven forty, giving us an update on free meals for those needing that. What a that out. Sorry, 1017 FM 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty. It's amazing how how driving traveling driving mm-hmm. wears you out. It does. You had to pick up your wife in Dallas. Drove over to Dallas mm-hmm. yesterday. Picked her up at the airport, which, by the way, was an adventure in itself. <laughs> if you've never navigated the Ooh. DFW oh, trying to go, oh, yeah. oh, I'm at E15. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's a mess. It, it's, it's like... It, <laughs> I Incredible. thought of your it took me wife. Three laps around the terminal to find her. Driving in this morning, I thought of your wife, and I and I thought. Then I thought of both of y'all, and I thought, if there was one place where you just don't want anybody bothering you or talking to you, it is on a twenty-hour flight from Johannesburg to Dift. Yeah, you just want to. You don't want John Candy from planes, trains, and automobiles <gasps> next to you on that flight. <laughs> That's true. That's you do true. not want this little gabby little neighbor. And then I started thinking about what are the other places where you just absolutely don't want to be bothered. Don't come chit-chat. I want to be left alone. Erin, I hate to say, for me, it's almost everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and I see it sometimes at the gym. Because, yeah. you know, most people go to the gym. They have their earbuds in. They don't want to chit-chat. Right. They want to go get their workout in. Now, there are some that are trying to pick up, you know, a little love interest thing. Bow, bow, bow. At the gym? Sometimes. Okay. Yeah, there's sometimes there's people okay. looking. For, and then a the couple of times there's guys working out together or gals. Where I know I work out with some of my friends, and we do chit-chat. But for the most part, when people go to the gym, they don't want to chit-chat. I remember... Years ago, uh, at Channel Three, I worked in the production department mm-hmm. for, for almost fifteen years. And one, and the production director at the time said, "He goes, I was in, I was in Walmart, and he says, and if I see somebody, I'll duck down another aisle." <laughs> but I want so, so to avoid that. Yeah, what are you up to? Hey, you uh, staying busy? Oh, shut up! Just don't. I want y'all to help me because if I get on a flight from Johannesburg to Dallas. And John Candy sits next to me. I'm not mean. I'm, I acquiesce. Okay. I have always done that. I would always, and even well, if he sure. took off his socks, I would be like, Oh no 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 I, no. You no, know, no. I mean, I, I, but you I, put your I on. want to be able to say, Can you just be quiet? How do you do that nicely? Is there a way to say, Shut the hell up? No. <laughs> <laughs> Not politely. No. So no. what do you do to, to make them leave you alone? Do you fall asleep? Start snoring? Maybe? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know what to do. I, that's, I, that, that's a good That's a good question. I uh, think there is a way. I think you can say, uh, look, I've, I, <laughs> I, I, need, I need prayer time right now. 
Okay. Or just start doing something weird or twitching or something. Oh, I could pick my nose. You start and, digging in your nose. Yeah, I could yeah, do that. Yeah, something, something weird. I don't know because I just I want to be the person that can be assertive and say, look, Mr. Candy, I... I wish you all the best, but I'm I'm not I'm not chatty right now. I'm just I'm meditating. I just can't be that person, but I, a part of me wants to be. Like, just leave me alone. There are places you go, you just want to be left alone. Just right. leave me alone. And I and I thought about your wife. I thought twenty hours. Imagine if she had some annoying person next to her. Twenty hours of that. Yeah. I'd have to say something. I would have to stop them. You have got to stop. Right. I could go hide in the bathroom for a couple hours. I, 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 did, I did a road trip with a fellow employee to to Wichita. We drove. Uh-oh. And and it was, you know, and he'd hit me on the leg. Hey, buddy. I love you, buddy. Love you, buddy. Oh, oh my, you know, no. Thank you. Okay, Gary. Thanks, man. Oh, it, no. It, Aaron, I did. I said, dude, you got to stop. You're driving I, I me did, crazy. I did <laughs> because we're we're in the car for however long oh. it takes to drive to Wichita. Then we're in a hotel room, and then we're all day at the at work. You know, and that's a sign of because if it were one of you, if it was a friend or somebody close to me, I would say, "Shut the hell up." But to a stranger, I want to be nice. Right. Why? That's well, yeah. stupid. Isn't that stupid? <laughs> It seems it just seems illogical. No, I want to be not. meaner. It's common courtesy. I just feel bad. The about social me. pact that we have. I guess I. Duh. They, I I just couldn't stand it. I couldn't stand twenty hours of somebody. Oh, I'd want to punch them. Karen. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, Executive Director of Northwest Louisiana American Red Cross, Karen McCoy, going to give us in. One zero one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty coming up the uh, executive director American Red Cross Karen McCoy going to join us. Uh, they're offering free meals for those that need it. They've still got uh, cooling centers and um, uh, distribution. What station? What, I'm, I'm blank on the. I just. Morning Star, Morning Star Baptist Church on Juella is an overnight shelter. But a, are they a shelter? Keep That's what that I'm looking open. for. A shelter. Mm-hmm. Thank you. We'll find out with that coming up. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty, Executive Director of the American Red Cross locally, Karen McCoy, joining us on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. First of all, good morning. Thanks for talking with us this morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. We've got reports that uh, that uh, meals are being uh, offered for those that need it, and shelters. Do we still have shelters available and cooling centers? That is correct. So we are working in conjunction with the Southern Baptist Convention Disaster Relief to serve meals out of our shelter at Morning Star. Um, those meals, lunch and dinner, will be served through Sunday lunch. So please take advantage of that. Um, we've had a great response to that. Um, we've been serving about 600 meals a day out of there for the past couple of days. So um, come over and take advantage of that. If you're still without electric and you're not able to cook or 
or have, um, you know, your items that you've lost during the storm without power, please come take advantage of it. Are you also doing it at Government Plaza uh, today through Sunday from 1 to 6, I understood, the Cattle Commission was helping with? Okay, they might be. Um, we're not in conjunction with that, so okay. they probably are. I don't have that information in front of me. And will the 24-hour shelter, are you going to keep that open through the weekend? What's the plan now? Do we know? That is the plan. Um, we are keeping it as long as we have residents um, in need and the community is utilizing it. So there is no plan to close it at this point. Of course, everything's a very fluid situation, but we've had over 176 overnight stays since we opened that shelter. Um, and we've served with the help of our partners, and this will kind of put it into perspective for you, over 18,000 meals and snacks. Um, we're at a week out, you know, since this hit, it hit last early, last Friday morning. So, um, you know, we've, we've been on the ground, had a lot of work um, in supporting the community. For those who lost a refrigerator full of food, you told us earlier that there may be some help to replace that food. What do people do if they want to get food replacement or help with that? Call 211 and see what resources that they have available for food replacements. We have some partner agencies that can typically, like the food bank and stuff of that nature, that might can help support them with some um, food items while they've lost everything. Um, so I would say for people that have lost food items to call 211 and see what resources there are available. But you don't have vouchers that you guys are giving out? For we do anything. not. Okay. That, no, we do not. We do, if you've had damage to your home, for instance, if a tree fell or a limb fell through your home and you have significant damage to your home, call 1-800-RED-CROSS. We will assign a caseworker to you. They will get back to you um, very quickly, usually, you know, within a few hours, but for sure within a day. We've been, you know, we've been busy with this one. But call 1-800-RED-CROSS. We'll assign you a caseworker, and they will help you through that process. We got, got numbers from SWEPCO earlier this morning. There are still close to 18,000 people across the Arklitex that are without power. Um, but a lot of people have been restored. And if people are back up and running normally and would like to volunteer, I'm sure you're still looking for volunteers to help the American Red Cross. Absolutely. It is volunteers are the heartbeat of our organization. We're 90 percent volunteer led. So we would um, love to have you volunteer. Go to redcross.org and click, click on that volunteer tab. You'll fill out an application, and then we will be back in contact with you. And I would also like to mention that we have several different capacities you can volunteer in, whether it's sheltering, whether it's logistics. We're always looking for health care workers, mental health workers. So we would love to have you. Any any efforts on, on like cleanup? Are you guys involved in that? If somebody wants to help in that way, we do not do debris cleanup. I believe the Shreveport Volunteer Network is doing a lot of the debris cleanup. Um, so some partner agencies are handling that, but we do not do the physical debris cleanup. Are folks like the Samaritan's Purse, et cetera, coming in for, like, if you've gotten damage to your home, they're going to help you clean, and, and um, if you've got to get carpets out and all that, are those agencies coming in? Are they on the way? You know, I have not heard on that. I would imagine so. I just know that I was hearing um, that we've worked with the Shreveport Volunteer Network in the past and that they were doing debris cleanup. Um, but I don't have specific information on that group. Karen McCoy with the Red Cross. Let me ask you, what are you seeing is the biggest need in our community right now? Um, 
for us on our end, obviously what we're seeing are people with, with damage to their home. And more than that really was a place to get out of the heat. Um, we had a lot of people that did not have electricity for an extended period of time. So they were needing a place to go. And I fully um, want people to take advantage of that, as you saw with the heat-related death that we just recently had. The heat is absolutely no joke. Don't try to tough it out. Um, get out of the heat. Um, that's the biggest thing we've seen is, you know, the, these people in the community that didn't have anywhere to go when they had um, no electric and just trying to, to brave it out in the heat and they needed to get in um, air conditioning. In the last minute or so, let just recap on you guys are working with the Southern Baptist Convention and you're providing meals through Sunday. Recap that real quickly for us. That's correct. So through Sunday, we're providing lunch and dinner at Morning Star Church. Through Sunday lunch, um, come out. Uh, people can drive through and literally pick up a box if you need to. Um, you can come in and, and have it inside our air-conditioned facility there. Um, but come take advantage of the meals that we will be serving through Sunday lunch. And also, one last caution. If you have somebody in your neighborhood who's elderly, a relative, please check on them. We, you know, If we haven't heard from folks, we need to check on them, correct? That is absolutely correct. Um, you're the most aware of, of the people in your neighborhood and what's going on. If you have elderly, just like you said, people that um, are handicapped or something of that nature and they don't get around a lot, please check on them. That's how we build our resilient communities is for us to watch out for one another. Executive Director of Northwest Louisiana American Red Cross, Karen McCoy. Thanks for talking with us, Karen. I hope you have a nice weekend. You too. Thank you. 1017 FM 7. seven FM, 710 Keel. See, this is not recorded. This is live. Yeah, this is live. Oh, I'm sorry. There's so much shade in this room. <laughs> <laughs> Mike and McCarty and uh, our dear friend Chica from the right behind me. She's upset today, our, as our a lot of people employee. are. Yeah. Uh, we, we bring you in because we know earlier this week we were talking about the, the submarine, the right. expedition that went down to uh, the Titanic crash wreck site and uh the titan submersible titan Mm -hmm. yeah so i think that the one thing that i think we probably talked about this off air was and and i've said it several times the best thing that could possibly happen for these people is that other than coming out safely right 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 Right. and i know that sounds horrible but it's just like if it were me I just want it to end quickly. Well, they and, probably and never even knew it happened. Exactly. If right. it imploded mm-hmm. it, on, the, on the descent, yes. then they were excited. They were looking forward to it. And then it's just, it just. Because it was found, the debris was found 1,600 feet away from the Titanic. That's far away. Which I have so many questions. I have so I'm over here like I'm coming for you CEO. I'm coming mm, for yeah. The, yeah, like the is it Ocean Gate? No, no, no. Uh Ocean Gate. Yeah. yeah, is that what it's mm-hmm, called? Mm-hmm. Um a fitting name, huh? Yeah. But it it's like I have so many questions because now all of a sudden everybody's coming out going, "Oh yeah, we uh we knew there were a lot of problems with it. We warned them about we, the carbon fiber and yeah, all that. Yeah, we knew that this was uh, going to be an issue. Was it, I thought th- they had been doing this. They, they had. had. Mhm. 
but apparently a lot of people even the guy uh who's the guy is it james cameron yes i saw him yeah that came out to say you know i actually quit going down there because i realized that they didn't have the certifications needed i realized that they didn't have oh, they, wow. they it, it wasn't the setup wasn't what i thought it was and it scared me so i didn't go back down had and, you lost i mean you you followed this like it was a part of your life for a few days yeah, had you had Sunday. you lost hope i mean you had pretty much lost hope correct y- yeah i didn't well there wasn't i mean even looking at the news there was no plan to get them out Right. There was no right. plan to rescue them. There was no legit, hey, if we do find them and they are down there and there's this tapping and all that. And I think I brought that up to you guys several times. You got 17 bolts that are, you know, they're trapped inside. How do we bring up this 10 ton thing up? But mm. the one thing I will say is it does bring me peace knowing that they if i were in the titan submersible mm-hmm. and i was going down like you said you're excited you're like right. oh my gosh we're right. going down and you don't know it happened uh-huh. you just don't know it it's it really is it bummed me out it bummed me out big time for sure mm-hmm. yeah. but um it's it's crazy now i'm gonna keep following the billionaire son mike and mccarty 1017 1017 FM, 710 Kiel, Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. Michael Corby. Michael, I've been calling you VP at SWEPCO. Tell me what your official title is. Somebody said I promoted you. <laughs> uh, well, possibly, but I'll take it. <laughs> um, my, my official title is External Affairs Manager. Okay. External Affairs Manager. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to adjust your paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was afraid of that. Sorry about That's why that. I never said anything. Yeah. <laughs> How much headway have y'all made since we chatted yesterday? We have made a lot of progress. Um, I think yesterday we were talking about um, tw- some 20,000 outages in the Shreveport area, shreveport Bossier area. Uh, today we're down to uh, just a little over 13,000, and that number might be a little bit high uh, still, so uh, good assistance, much or, or good progress, rather, um, much like we discussed earlier in the week, when we get down to these last this last day or two, it's going to be a little bit slower uh, just because we're doing a lot of scattered outages instead of bringing, home, bringing on entire neighborhoods at one time. When, uh, on Wednesday, well, when this first happened, uh, of course, power went out. Friday, that's when it hit Thursday. Yeah, we're a weekend now. Uh, early yeah. Friday morning, about one thirty in the morning. Mine came back on that Sunday afternoon. And then I had had power pretty much the whole time until Wednesday. And then Wednesday afternoon or Wednesday evening, mine went out and was out all night and most of the day on Thursday. Was what was... I know they're taking some things back offline to move. You said they're shifting power. So if people lose power again, explain what's happening there. We've had a couple of things that would contribute to that. And first is we may have uh, done some internal switching so that power is routed to your house a different way from a different substation, for example. And um, 
we need to switch that back, and that process sometimes goes very smooth. Sometimes there there can be issues with it. Uh, the other thing that we've seen is because there was so much tree damage, um, we had trees that dropped limbs on lines, and um, we've come through rebuilt lines and additional limbs have fallen in the past week and damaged lines again, where a limb a limb may have been partially uh, detached from the tree during that wind event, and then over the you know for a few days it dries out and 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 so trees continue to cause a problem for us, uh, but. Yeah, we, we think we're making good progress. Let me ask you, you, you mentioned it briefly yesterday, but I'm intrigued by this this IV program you have going for the workers. You've actually got a company out there giving the, the workers IV solutions to keep them hydrated. Explain what's going on. Well, I, I just can't say enough about what the Arklatex has done, and, um, and that's a piece of it. We have had restaurants, we've had churches, we've had community groups, uh, come out to base camps and offer all type of services, bringing food, water, ice, Gatorade. Uh, I do understand there's an, there's an IV service out there that's, that's offering, uh, rehydration services when the workers come in from their 16 hour day. So I, I can't say enough for how much the entire community has pulled together, not only to help our workers out there, but also to, to go into some of these hard-hit areas and make sure that, that folks have ice and water and, and food. What do you say, Michael Corbin, to the person who has now been without power for a week? They're, they, they've either had to go stay somewhere else or they have a generator they're trying to struggle to use or they're in the heat. I completely understand uh, frustration, and, and I think that we all do. Um I can't say enough. This was just a devastating storm uh, for anything above above the ground. Uh, you know, whether it's trees or it's uh, utility poles or it's uh, power lines, um, we have not seen a storm like this in recent memory. And um, I think that it's a reminder to us all of being prepared and how fragile the electrical system can be at times. But the other thing is I hope that as a community, we are able to look back at this in a couple of weeks and, and be able to make some plans for when the next one comes. How can how can we protect people better and, and help people plan a little bit better? Let's look down the road then. Let me do that real quick before we let you go. Should we start moving in the direction of if we build new subdivisions or if we do anything new, our power line should be underground? Well, most new most new construction has uh, underground lines, and so that's a, that's a good thing. Um, we are continually upgrading our equipment. Um, there's a there's a number of projects. We talked about transmission lines and how that was very impactful. All the transmission lines that we lost. Mm-hmm. Most of those were wooden poles, and we have a number of projects either that were underway or are set to uh, begin in the next. Uh, 12 to 24 months that will replace wooden poles with with steel poles and offer a lot more resiliency. So I would say the bulk of the the transmission lines to people's homes in in the market are overhead lines. Is that correct? 
Yeah, transmission is always overhead. That's what goes from the power plants to the substation. Okay. And then distribution, which is what you see in neighborhoods. Distribution, uh, okay. Those are, those are generally overhead uh, at, to some point, and then they may go underground when you actually get into the subdivision. So is it feasible, in, because obviously things like this can happen, to begin trying to move all the uh, distribution lines underground? There's pros and cons. First, it's extremely expensive. Uh, a, a mile of overhead wire versus a mile of underhead wire with the different equipment, the boring and, and uh, switches you have to put in, it's extremely expensive to underground line um the second thing is in if there is a fault in the line uh if it's overhead you look there's a limb in the line there's a there's a line that's that's come off a pole and is either hanging or is laying on the ground it's it's easy to identify it when it's underground it takes a lot more time and it's a lot more effort to get that repair done street lights so sorry um, so there's pros and cons yeah, we got all the street light so, issues so, on the interstate. So those is, underground lines are the problem. Uh, that's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. So there is a, a, a cost to benefit ratio that's mm-hmm. that, that's not worth taking the the distribution lines and putting them underground. Yeah, and and I think that technology is really helping us a lot. We have switches that are able to work, uh, you know, on a day to day basis if. If a tree falls on a line, not a storm like this, but a tree falls on a line, we have switches that are able to instantly recognize that fault, feed power from different directions, and instead of a hundred people or a thousand people being out, now we are only we can isolate it, and only ten people are out. Mm. Um, there's some new electric meter technology out there that we hope to have installed very soon uh, that will be able to let us pinpoint every house that's out immediately and every house that comes back on. Uh, so it, it cuts a lot of the manual process out. And we're, we're excited about that, and we think that that's going to that's gonna help in future storms. Michael Corbin with Swepco, thanks for your time. Thanks. Sorry, I almost didn't make it there. seven <laughs> FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty. You can see at uh, keelnews.com, there is a legal battle now in Louisiana. It's been a federal lawsuit has been filed. The world is upside down. Over um, this pornography ID law that Louisiana passed. Lawmakers passed it last year. They've now tacked on uh, $5,000 a day fines. For companies that don't verify an ID when you log on to watch pornography. Um, my issue is... Now, okay, so who's fighting this? Who, who, oh, the who pornography has a problem companies. with making sure 11-year-olds aren't accessing this material? Well, the pornography company uh, companies, there are some uh, free speech advocates that are fighting this. My issue with it is... I, of course, no one wants children to watch pornography. Well, no, of you can't course. say that, Aaron. 
There are well, people fighting to keep pornographic books in elementary school libraries. Mm-hmm. But so d- you can't say I nobody know. doesn't want children to watch porn anymore. But if Reuben wants to watch porn, Reuben is a grown man. The Louisiana law requires him to upload a digitized version of his driver's license. On his driver's license, you've got your your social is on there, I believe. No, it's uh, not. No, okay. Not anymore. Not anymore. No. no. Your do, driver's license and, and number. Anybody getting one? Do not put any other information you're on right, there. You're right. You're right. Tell Don't them put no. your social security number but on. But your, your address is on license. there. Yes. Your uh, height. Like, your weight. Yep. Every everything they would they would need to probably hack into. Absolutely, steal your ID. And yeah. if there are any companies that are going to be willy nilly with your private information, it's going to be pornography companies, and, and namely like the the free streaming porn sites. Yeah. Yes, and they will hack into your computer. They are will they start even based in the U.S.? A lot of them aren't. No. That's A lot of them are exactly. not. Exactly. Exactly. And so we couldn't even go after them once they have this information. What are they going to do with it? And I mean, I'm not sure we thought this law out fully because, you know, and maybe they want the porn sites killed. Maybe they don't want Ruben to look at porn. And maybe that's the ultimate goal. They don't want anyone to look at porn. Then what's next? Right. It sets kind of a dangerous uh, example. It's like if we can do this, if we can block this then who's to say we can't make a law where, you know, you can't access TikTok in Louisiana. You can't access YouTube or or something. Or guns and ammo. Right, guns and ammo. Mm -hmm. I want to read about the latest Glock offering. Right. Uh, You know, I like guns. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. No, I'm not. Let me take that back. I'm not. So if I access guns and ammo, oh, look, we got to stop that now. But I, my, my issue with it is, isn't there an isn't there an alternative way to prove I'm legal age if I want to access pornography? I don't know. I would never give a porn site a copy of my driver's license. <laughs> never in a million years. I don't, I don't know, know that who I would. would post on anything. Right. Online. So I'm. Is this going to kill pornography sites? In in Louisiana, because who's going to give them their driver's license? I don't know. I mean, even your bank doesn't require you to post a digital driver's license, right? To access your your account information, and that's part of this legal fight. They're going to say, you know, the the pornography sites are going to say this is beyond a free speech issue. Um, you know, obviously, it's about the five thousand dollars a day fine that they're going to be facing. But they're going to make it about free speech, and you know we'll see. Do they have a leg to stand on? I'm not sure. Don't know. It's it's going to be an intriguing legal battle. That's for darn sure. Shreveport Mayor Tom Arsenault spoke with us this morning about uh, updating their efforts on uh, storm recovery. Uh, you can hear that conversation at 8:40. Mike and McCur. <laughs> One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty. Oh my gosh, storybook. <sighs> storybook. LSU baseball. Tigers. Wake Forest. Mm-hmm. The funniest thing, somebody posted a uh, on Twitter an interview with that pitcher, Mana Manicotti, what yeah. is the, the one that 
Manischewitz, one, yeah. One pitch. Yeah. Tank took him out. Mm. But the, the guy said in a press conference, this is before that. Yeah. Who can beat us? Who can beat us? We can twice. Yeah. We, and we yeah. really beat y'all the other night, but the, the umps were on your side. It was a bad, bad I missed that one. I'm glad I didn't Ooh. watch that one. People were ticked. The one last night loved the inside pitch. Oh, gosh. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Mm, Strike. Yeah. Really? Yeah. The guy had to jump out of the way. I know. LSU wins. We're in the championship series with Florida. I hope we can get Skeens back in the rotation, you know, for maybe know. a Monday yes. game. Um, I'm hoping bad weather in Omaha will push it back. though. I know. It's over 100 pitches. Incredible. Incredible. Just a great, great, you know, and of course, Omaha loves it. They're like, oh, Bring yeah. Bring Jello. Yeah. <laughs> now, oh, it's good now, stuff. Now, we were talking earlier that uh, there's possible rain Sunday. It's what it looks projected like. Projected for Omaha. So if they push back the Sunday game, that means that we would go to Tuesday for the third game if needed. Skeens could be ready for that. He could even be ready possibly for a Monday game. We'll see. Yeah, but our bullpen came in. Oh. Oh, my gosh. Dreamy. Dreamy. They were incredible. Incredible. What a game. Mm -hmm. What a game. Uh, Mayor Tom Arsenault joining us just after the break. Mike and McCarty, 101.7. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline, Shreveport Mayor Tom Arsenault. Tom, look, I've got a big pile of limbs and branches and debris in front of my yard. When is that going to be picked up? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, most people do. I know, uh, I know. I just it, Mayor, we're to... we're hitting Go a ahead. week. Today is uh, one week ago when this right. mess blew through. We've still got about 13,000 in the Shreveport-Bossier area that are without power. They may need all kinds of help. They may be frustrated. What is available to those people today? Well, we we still have cooling centers that are open for people to get out uh, to get out of the heat. Uh, I do not know whether Morningstar is still going to be open tonight. I think they had only 17 people. Uh, at the shelter last night. So at some point, uh, they will decide to, um, we will decide to close the homeland security will decide to close that shelter, but I don't think that decision has been made yet. The rest of the, the rest of this, I think is going to be, uh, clearing trees, uh, and our crews will be out clearing trees. Now in terms of the pickup, uh, to, to address Mike's pile of limbs in front of his house. You know I'm kidding. Uh, I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you might not be. I mean, I have a pile of limbs in front of Well, I, I mean, I do have a pile, but I'm not concerned about it. Yeah, There are more, there more important issues that we're dealing with. I understand well, that. Those limbs, those limbs are going to be there for, uh, for a while. We are issuing today a request for proposals for third-party contractors who had the equipment to come pick that up and deliver it to a site. We've also made an application yesterday for a city-owned uh, site where that can all be staged. Uh, that I anticipate those RFPs are due next Thursday. So, you know, we'll have to 
get the requests. We'll have to review those, which we will do very quickly, and uh, enter into a contract with one or more contractors who will come in and pick up the the, the limbs and that kind of thing. I think it's going to be. Uh, I think you could expect it to be four or five weeks. So there, the the, the limbs and that kind of vegetative debris are going to be there a little while so because it's really beyond the capability of our internal equipment and crews to pick it all up. How big yep. can I how big yep. can I put stuff out by the curb? I mean, can it be half a tree? Oh, I've seen chunks. I, I yeah. believe they're going to be able to pick up they're going to be able to pick up anything that you put out there. That's that's why we're having to ha- require them to have significant equipment. This is not something that that uh, ordinary contractors are going to be able to do. There are people who travel the country doing this kind of work. Okay. Now, if I were an enterprising young man, I would go, hey, there's a firewood business here. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To get a trailer and go collect <laughs> a lot of that, you know, the solid. There's a lot of good wood pieces that are on the, that I've seen uh, on the are. streets. Uh, there are, and uh, there may be people who are uh, doing their own kind of salvage uh, in that. Absolutely. Uh, I, I expect that there. I expect that there will be, but they won't pick it all up. And there's some of it just too doggone big for them to pick up. So these are going to be people with with cranes and bucket trucks and you know those kinds of things that will be able to uh, to pick it up. It our current plan is we have a site that has about uh, a number of acres of concrete where they can stage this, and then they'll have equipment to break it up further. Uh, and before it's placed in the landfill or some other appropriate place uh, that that the EPA approves, you, you cannot just place that anywhere. So we are making progress on that. I I would hope that sometime, uh, perhaps by the end of July, that uh, that the vast majority of this would be cleaned up, and we simply have to ask the people of Shreveport for uh, for their patience. This is a a uh, massive set of damage, a massive amount of vegetation uh, debris, uh, really more akin to what you see after a, after a hurricane. Mayor, last time that uh, that I spoke with you, you still didn't have power at your home. Has that been restored? That has been restored. Yes, and th- thankfully, <laughs> a- absolutely. Thankfully, I allowed my I allowed my grandchildren to come visit with me, so I'm thrilled. <laughs> Mayor Arsenault, there's another big question too that a lot of people that lost power lost a refrigerator full of food. Uh, the Caddo Commission is doing something to try to help with that. I know the Red Cross is helping with that. Food banks will help. What is available for folks if they are going to need some help with food replacement? Uh, if some of that may happen with individual aid, should we reach the FEMA uh, individual uh, assistance uh, standards, and that's in the process of being uh, estimated now. Uh, after some of the initial tours, it, it appeared that we would not necessarily get public public dollars, but there may be some individual aid. People who are on SNAP, uh, on the on SNAP program, should have by now gotten a reload for uh, for food uh, that that the state initiated through the federal uh, through the federal government. So they should have some relief uh, some relief there. The rest of it 
uh, pretty much is going to be up to to people to finance themselves. Mm. Mayor, uh, talking with Mayor Tom Arsenault of Shreveport. Mayor, last time we talked, you were asking people to report because we know trees are still falling. Their their limbs right. are still falling. There's there's still damage being uh, that that's occurring, and you are asking people to report that. So uh, because we have to reach a certain threshold, are people still reporting? And if not, how do they do so if they have damage? Uh, if they have damage, the, they report to uh, damage.la.gov. And then the, uh, they also can call it in to the Office of Homeland Security, which is, uh, 675-2255. 675-2255. I'm going from memory. I'm pretty sure I'm right. You're absolutely right. I wrote that down. That's exactly right. Last time we spoke, and I don't know if you have this new number now, you told us there were 855 homes or structures damaged. Uh, has that number gone up since we urged people to start reporting? My guess is it has gone up, but I have not received a supplemental report on that. Okay. And you guys will be having another meeting today at some point, I guess, to kind of assess how we're going into the weekend? No, uh, we are we are kind of meeting, uh, meeting by email. Uh, okay. uh, Robert Jump, the Homeland Security Director, is keeping us apprised of, of things, but basically all of us are kind of in a recovery uh, mode now, so there wasn't need for to gather thirty people right. uh, to to do that. So um, we're we're not currently having meetings. Report Mayor Tom Arsenault. Thank you so much for talking with us this morning, and hope you have a great weekend. One seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty. We, I, I told you earlier. I, I I'm amazed at where we are technologically. Mm-hmm. Okay, I you know just this morning. You, yes, I, I, I called my daughter, FaceTimed her in Johannesburg. Right. Um, it was seamless. It was seamless. It's not like the sketchy. No. I, you know, you're, you're, staticky you're, on. The, I mean, it was like she was sitting right across from you're me. You're watching her. You're watching your grandson, and it, it's like we, we are living in the Jetsons, mm-hmm. with the exception. And I'm kind of ticked. I want to know where my flying cars are. Funny, you should ask. They're I'm, here. I are they though? Well, they are in Europe. They are doing a test. Um, but aren't they? In Europe, of flying taxis, they're going to be cars that can kind of hover, that can come down and pick you up and take you to another. And they want them ready for the 2024 Olympics, so that these you can call this flying taxi cab to come pick you up. I think they're going to have a limit. I mean, they're not going to be able to put a whole bunch of people in it, but they're they're going to have them ready. For a test rollout, so they're saying flying taxis, flying taxis. But aren't they just Europe. like now? I mean, I haven't the, seen a picture the of the them ones yet. I've seen. Are basically they're still rotor powered, or you know what I mean? Yeah, I want the <laughs> like the little hover. It, you know, you could compare it to you know, you Amazon's been rolling out those drones that can carry big packages. 
they're working on that. Um, this is now going to be able to carry a human. So it is, um, you know, going to be interesting to see if it catches on. Will people? I don't know that I'd get in a flying taxi yet. I mean, it's looks like a little helicopter. It looks like a drone. A, yeah, a, a big drone. Big drone with, for a with human. Props on all four corners. I, I'm not sure I'm ready to get in that. I'm ready to watch them flying around and land in places. I'm not sure I'm ready to get in one of those things. I don't know. But they're going to have them ready to try. In light of what happened with the submersible, uh, this high-tech stuff, I'm a little bit sketchy about it. Especially well, when we're well, hearing so much other stuff about, oh, you had warnings. Okay. We bought a new car. My mm-hmm. wife, My wife bought a new car. Yeah. I drove over to Dallas to pick her up. Mm-hmm. First time I've really driven this car. I said, I'm going to take the new car right. instead of my truck. My truck's got like 233,000 miles on mm-hmm. it. Nothing wrong with it. Right. But I said, I got a brand new car. I'm going to yeah. drive the new car. I'm going down the interstate. And if I start, if I want to change lanes, mm-hmm. it goes, no. And it pulls it back into yes. the lane. Yes. It pulls me. I can let go of the steering wheel. And it'll stay in the lane. And it'll it'll stay in the lane. I rented an SUV to take to New Orleans, and it goosed me. If I would leave my lane, the seat would the start seat? shaking. Oh, that's funny. And for a while, it was me and one of my best friends. We were driving in New Orleans, and I'm like, is your seat shaking? I was jumping. And she was like, no. I'm like, my seat is goosing me. And she goes, well, it's doing it when you're drifting. Too close to a wall now, or something. Now, won't do it. Like, if I want to change lanes, if oh. I just hit the turn signal, and then it won't fight me. It'll go, okay, you mean to do this. Yeah. So, it, yeah. Won't, it won't pull it back in. Right. But I bring that up to bring up these self-driving cars. Oh, scary. I don't want to, I don't want to get into a... I don't want yeah. the thing not letting me change lanes. Right. And, you know, my problem with that car was after I realized it was goosing me, I decided I was just going to weave all the way down to New Orleans. I was weaving. So I'm like, ooh, this is good. <laughs> my you friend, my to, friend got a bus back. For that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, TGIF. Yes, have a great weekend. Go Tigers. Saturday, LSU, Florida. Mm-hmm. Best bet. of three yes. championship series. Got to win it. College World Series, mm-hmm. make it a great weekend. Hope you have power. Uh, let's let's remember we're all in this together. One zero one seven.